Broadcasting to you from the Valley Preferred Cycling Centre, this is the Talk the T-Town podcast where we discuss all things track cycling. Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the T-Town. I'm your host, Andrew Paradowski, and we're here to talk about all things T-Town and all things cycling. Today, our guest is Travis Smith from Los Angeles. He is the director of the Velo Sports Center, the only indoor, fully permanent, walled, ceilinged 250 in the United States. And he's here to talk to us about uh, life in LA at that track and all the other things that go with being a track director. Hi, Travis. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you for having me on your show today. Well, we certainly uh, enjoy having you here as well. Uh, it's uh, a treat for me as well to uh, sit down and talk with a fellow uh, track director here. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a small community and it's good that uh, we're able to uh, to do things like this. So we certainly do appreciate you coming out here today. So why don't we just dive, dive right into it and, uh, you know, tell us uh, a little bit about uh, the Vela Sports Centre. Yeah, um, you kind of hit it on the intro, but yeah, we're the only permanent UCI 250 velodrome in North, uh, sorry, in the United States. We were the first 250 indoor velodrome in North America um, back in 2004. So obviously, you know that Milton in Canada and uh, one in Bromont, Quebec, and now one is being built in Edmonton. So they're popping up kind of everywhere right now in, in Canada and the United States and Mexico. So it's good for us, good for you as well. Um, but yeah, we are uh, we are the only velodrome that has hosted currently. You know, every event that you can host up until the Olympics. So, and that's slated for twenty twenty eight. It's pretty exciting. That's right. Uh, so we we mentioned uh, that uh, the velodrome is in Los Angeles, but that's a pretty big place. Uh, where exactly would one find uh, the Velo Sports Center? Yeah, uh, you know, Avalon and Carson. No, uh, it, literally it's in Carson, California. So we're attached to the Dignity Health Sports Park, which is the home of the Galaxy soccer team. So we are owned by AEG, which is Anschutz Entertainment Group. Uh, it's the world, one of the world's largest entertainment groups. And they also own a velodrome, So, um, which makes it exciting because we have we have a good back end that can support us with anything that we want to do over here. So, no, very cool. Uh, you uh, also briefly mentioned there uh, the Canadian uh, uh, velodromes and and how uh, they're starting to, to to sort of grow like weeds up there. Uh, you have a Canadian connection as well. Yeah, I uh, I'm Canadian. I raced for the Canadian team national team from 2000 and three to 2012 when I retired um that was on the national team it's kind of hard to remember all of this it's been over a decade almost so <laughs> but uh you know those were good good times of my life got to travel around the world uh got to spend my summers in t-town racing uh it's been it was pretty fun you know it was it was a good time in my life so it uh, kind of looks like we're starting a trend here uh, Canadians coming down here to uh help out with the track program yeah, yeah, you know, we, uh, I think, what do they say? Uh, we're humble. We like to have everybody. We include everybody. And what better way to welcome people into our venues? There we go. So, 
So let's talk a bit about the history of track cycling in in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, so you, you mentioned earlier that the track was built in uh, 2004, but uh, track cycling goes back a little further than that. So can you talk to us a bit about the, the history? Yeah, so in, in Los Angeles, actually pretty much on this site where we're at right now, uh, the old 1984 Olympic Velodrome was sitting where the soccer stadium is. I know, Andrew, you know where it is because you've been here, but most don't. So it's like uh, 500 meters away from here. Um, the, the story as I know it from my supervisor is Mr. Anschutz, who's the owner of AEG, wanted to build a soccer stadium. And when they were flying around in a helicopter, they saw the location where the 84 Olympic Velodrome was. And he said, that's where I want my soccer stadium. Um, big open fields. There was not much around at that point. Um, it's very much developed over the years since I've moved here. Um, uh, so they picked that location and they had to tear down the velodrome, which was Olympic legacy. And Mr. A was, and as long as I've known, a big supporter of cycling, uh, decided that he wanted to build a velodrome to honor the Olympic legacy. And people were saying, no, 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 don't build a indoor velodrome, but he wanted to have a world-class velodrome on his, on his land, on his property during that time. So they, they built the velodrome and, um, and the Velo Sports Center was created and that's what we have today still. So, so I thank him because I, I have a job. Um, I had a place to train and it was, it was awesome. So I moved from Calgary, Canada to, uh, to warm Los Angeles. There you go. And I think the whole cycling community uh, has, uh, you know, thanks for him as well. I mean, uh, you know, like we said, it's uh, up until, I guess they put a cover on uh, the track in Colorado Springs and the Lexus Velodrome was built in Detroit. It was the only covered indoor track in uh, in, in the USA. And up until, uh, well, I guess Forest City Velodrome was built around the same time. It was 05, I think it came, uh, came out. Um, and then Burnaby's been around for a while. So like we're talking like less than a handful of indoor tracks, only one in the US. So it certainly did help both the US team and the Canadian team who I know com- came down to... Uh, uh, Los Angeles in the in the winters prior to the Milton track being built in 2015 so it certainly did help uh, track cycling in, in the Americas yeah we were actually based out out of here I mean I moved in 2004 uh, but Canada decided to this was their home base from probably 2007 all the way till 2015 or just before when Milton opened so so this was a home for U.S. national team and the Canadian national team for many years, which was which was nice. We had good good racing because of that. It's been hard to match. So you'd mentioned that uh, you know the uh, uh, the proprietor of AEG, uh, sorry, uh, Mr. Anschutz, is that right? Yeah, Anschutz. Yeah. Uh, so he, <laughs> he wanted to uh, to build an indoor track. When when was that that decision made? You know what year sort of? Uh, I would no, I don't know exactly, okay. but. Before two thousand three, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm curious because it, it feels kind of prescient, right? Because um, uh, you know, I, I'd have to go back and look at my Olympic history. I'm not that sharp on it, but I believe Atlanta was the last time it was held outdoors track cycling. Uh, I think I think Sydney was indoors, and then after that, yeah. Was, so it's, Sydney was Dunkray Velodrome. Then you went to Athens, which was kind of fifty fifty. It had right. a roof but open walls. Right, much like some of um, the uh, sort of northern end of the South American velodromes, like Cali and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or Egypt and, then, and uh, Tel Aviv nowadays. So then you went on to Beijing, and then London, Rio, 
uh, Tokyo and they're all, all indoors. So, so yeah, I mean, there's not many, not many races that were, uh, that are outdoors anymore at a UCI level. Um, that's why for me, it was really nice to come spend our summers, uh, in T-Town or other velodromes that were around at that time, like Portland and, uh, San Jose and they had good race scenes as well. So it just changed it up. It was good for the mind. <laughs> so just, yeah, touching back on, on the sort of all prescience of it now, like you said, the, there aren't too many races that are held on outdoor velodromes. I mean, we do uh, class one events here uh, at, in T-Town and it's probably the highest we can go. Maybe we could do continental championships if, you know, nobody else bid on it and, you know, Kopasi uh, was interested in, in doing that. But for sure, we're not doing Nations Cups or, you know, uh, Junior Worlds or anything that, that high level anymore. Um, so, you know, having the indoor velodrome for sure before or on or about the same time that it looked like we were, they were shifting from being an outdoor sport to an indoor sport certainly uh, did help. So, yeah, and it's it's been nice um, mm -hmm. having an indoor velodrome in L.A. is always difficult at itself. I mean, that's our number one battle, asking people to come indoors, pay money to ride a bike when you can ride outside along the beach pretty much every day of the year. Uh, that's a little bit of a battle. That's a good segue, actually. I've got that as, as a question. So why don't we why don't we jump into what you guys are doing now at uh, the Velo Sports Center? Right, so let's talk about programming. I'm, you know, we have a lot of listeners here uh, who have been there for different events. Uh, they've uh, either they've been high performance athletes, uh, masters, because uh, you guys just recently hosted Masters Worlds, um, or, you know, someone looking to go on vacation and trying a different track, different reasons. But we also have a good host of, uh, uh, of our listeners and uh, and folks here in uh, in the Lehigh Valley who've never been to Carson, so I fly out there. What's on offer? Yeah, well, you come out here, you get to ride a 250 world class indoor velodrome, so that's that's nice. Um, and a lot of people when they first walk in, our velodrome's much different than other velodromes that they might have been to because I think Milton's a pretty easy drive from you guys. Um, but when you walk into our velodrome, it's much smaller. Um, we have a world-class velodrome with a brick building just built around it. We don't have all the amenities and unused space that is seen in a lot of velodromes, um, which at the same time is a good thing. I, I believe being a track, track manager and seeing how it runs, it's a good thing to have everything being used. <laughs> um, so the, when you first walk in, you you are right at the track surface. Yeah, the first thing that you see is flags from around the world hanging from our roof. Um, and then you just look over and you see a 44.7 degree banking. <laughs> and there's no, you can't, you can't escape that because that's the first thing that you see when you walk through our lobby. Um, most people walk in and say some choice words like, no way, that's never going to, I'm never going to make it around that velodrome. Uh, but, you know, they do. So the very first, to answer your question, the very first thing that we try to offer people if they've not been on our track is a sample session. Um, a sample session is just a very easy one hour coached session to ex expose yourself to it. Feel what a board feels like, feel what a track bike feels like. Um, we don't really go higher than above the sprinter's lane. It's just getting them around the track. So that's that's our first step here. After that, we require everybody to be certified. Um, very much like a driver's license to drive a car. We You have to go through our certification, which is three classes. Um, once you're certified, then you can be, then you have your driver's license. 
and you can uh, ride in any of our any of our sessions, which range from open training all the way to coach sessions in the evenings, which are more like uh, a organized spin class. So a lot of the people don't like to race. They just like to come out and get a very good hard workout. Um, we call that the Velo Jam. So it's music's loud, people ride hard, and they just have a good time. So that's that's fun. Um, and then, as you said before, we have the national team based here. The national sprint team is based here now. Um, I coach, uh, I'd say it's an elite group that ranges anywhere from young riders all the way up to 83 years old is my my oldest rider so but they're retired they can trade midday or they're professionals they can train midday um and it makes it a little bit easier and it fills our our track time when there's like kind of some dead space what about uh racing do you have a regularly scheduled racing program uh, grassroots uh, pro anything yeah we've we don't have as good of a racing scene as you that's for sure um racing is more of a our time trial scene here is bigger than our mass start racing really? yeah uh it's weird people a lot of our members just like to race against themselves they don't want to put themselves into uh into these groups where people where some people view it as world championships or mm. whatever but it's not as crazy as, as it sounds. Uh, you know, we run uh, time trial events here on Saturdays once a month, uh, and uh, and they, they I wouldn't say they sell out, but uh, they certainly sell really well. Uh, you know, there's uh, uh, you know just as, as high, if not maybe even slightly higher attendance at those events as a standard sort of mass start uh, Saturday morning kind of race. So. Yeah, which is good because we were shot. I mean, LA, LA was one of the first places to really shut down and one of the last to open back up. Um, so we we weren't doing anything for a good year. We were shot. It was and it's been tough to get back to pre-pandemic numbers. Um, people have either moved on or or uh, stopped racing or went to the road. I don't know, but it's been a little bit difficult to get back to pre-pandemic numbers. But to answer your question about racing, Lavra has Lavra is LA LA's race organization. Um, they're pretty good. We've we've struggled maintaining uh, race directors over the years, but it's been pretty consistent with guys step or girls stepping up to uh, take on that volunteer role <laughs> um, and get some good racing going. And just recently, a new group has come out called Skunk Works Racing. Um, we're implementing just Wednesday night races once a month. One or might even be twice a month they're doing now uh and it's just practice racing it's it's usac permitted but it is just for fun results are okay. results aren't being posted we come out we race it's just more of a training race session uh after the races the coaches that we have here at the velodrome which i hope you asked me about because i love to poke give them some props um They've all volunteered some of their time to come in and and help people after the race. They sit down and they give advice, and it's it's really good. It's a good it's a good plan they've put into play. And our first night of racing happened last Wednesday, and there's over thirty people that showed up. So it's great. Yeah. 
Well, that is certainly the uh, the benefit of, of having the indoor track indoors um, during the winter when, you know, I mean, the weather is pretty much nice all year round in Los Angeles. You know, like what, what's the worst it could get? Uh, maybe uh, high 50s, low 60s. It's um, been pretty cold right now. We're like 40s. Okay. Yeah. But as you said earlier, you know, you've got, uh, it's, it's, it's generally nice all year round. So, uh, I mean, like, what is, what is your season like? Do like, do you, do you actually have participation all year round or is it kind of seasonal? Like, like we are in the sense that we can really only run programming from April till October. No, I mean, we have programming all year round. We've, we've played over the years with different, different time frames to see when we're more, it's more popular with our racing. Um, because a lot in the years past, we've started early in the year when people start racing, like January through April. Uh, and then a lot of people will go out to T-Town and stuff through the summer months or other velodromes. And then, you know, nationals finish. And it kind of, the track scene as a whole kind of slows down at that point. Um, or for us, we've had Worlds, world, the Masters World Championships the last three times in the last four years. So that finished in October, which helped us actually. It's it's good to have people go longer into the year. Um, but post, uh, post October, we have some blues over here. It's pretty quiet. <laughs> um, which is which is generally surprising because you would think again if, if the weather is dipping down to those sort of like you know 50s 40s even that uh, people would be more enticed to uh, to go ride indoors. Yeah, and and I think they are. We it was us just trying to find ways to get them coming back here. And Skunk Works has uh, shown us that people want to come and race on a on a December Wednesday night. So um, so this is something that I'm glad they put implemented and. Uh, we're, we're seeing people interested in it. Some of our uh, keener listeners uh, who like to read all the blogs and the websites will know that uh, on Monday, uh, USA Cycling announced the national championship calendar for next year. Uh, and uh, we're, uh, those who do are aware that uh, elite and junior nationals will be in Carson uh, next year. So uh, yeah. you guys must be pretty excited about that. It's, it's nice. It's nice. I'm glad it's coming back here. Um, I think it's very important, especially as an elite rider, uh, that they race on the velodromes that, one, it's very predictable. We don't have weather delays. There's no there's no wind affecting one side versus the other. Um, I know that it can be a little bit stagnant for some people, but it. I think as a coach or a national federation, it's important to see head-to-head -head on a equal terms. Um, so that's good. I'm excited. No, we, we don't take any offense to that, by the way. It's uh, we, we like the outdoors yeah. in the summer. And you know, I, <laughs> I do too. And like I said earlier, I, I like the change. Change is good. It's good for the mind. It's good to just be in a different environment. It helps keep, keep your body accelerating forward, moving forward instead of just being stuck in a, a rut. Um, and again, I, I, I know that a lot of people feel like, we have tried to crush other velodromes being an indoor 250 and putting on these races and i'm like that is not what i want i would love for every velodrome in this country to be thriving because it helps you it helps me it helps seattle it helps san, san diego san jose um because it's if the scene is growing it helps everybody all around absolutely yeah we're we're the same way we feel that uh, you know the more 
the more tracks we have, it's it's kind of like you know the, the rising tide raises all boats oh, totally. kind of thing. You know, more more people are participating in that kind of thing. Actually, you know, it's interesting because uh, you know I've I've used to say that Milton is a good example in, in uh, why we need to have more tracks. You know, so you know you, you look at the scene in Ontario, and prior to that, uh, it was you know um, you had the Four City Velodrome, that 138 inside of a hockey arena um, in 2005, and prior to that, there was an outdoor asphalt 250 uh, in sort of southwestern Ontario. Um, but basically only one operating track up until 2015. And then, you know, luckily Forest City is still running and, and I hope that uh, they can solve their, their sort of uh, tenant uh, landlord issues that they've got going on right now. They're trying to raise some money to, uh, to, to overcome that. But it would be a shame to lose them from the scene because, you know, if you only have the one velodrome and, and it's a beautiful velodrome, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's great legacy from the uh, the Pan Am games and you know it's uh, like you said it was it was purpose built as opposed to just being bricked around like uh, you, you suggested that LA was um, and but the thing is when you start in sport you don't go start playing at the cathedral you know you, you start playing baseball you don't start playing uh, you know in Fenway Park or one of the other big you know pro leagues you play on a diamond in a park in in your township in your county kind of thing yeah. right like you start in some you know so you know where i mean just in, this is my opinion and maybe you share it as well but you know the if if we had more grassroots tracks around the country it would benefit the the more sort of established ones like like carson and t-town because now there's a place where kids can go and learn you know like casino velodrome in new york is a good example of that right where it's it's you know it's a outdoor 400 asphalt track that you know kids can go and have fun on right so we need more of that oh, sure. to support you know and so. it's easier to learn on and um i mean casino with star trek and pete and dave they're they're doing a great job and same with seattle and namara with their junior programs like i i want to emulate them <laughs> uh which is is tough to do because they do such a good job you guys as well uh but no, you're right. Um, with with the velodromes, having easier velodromes for kids to get access to, more of them, it just it just takes away that those limitations. Because right now, um, like you said, if anyone wants to go ride Milton, they either have to drive hours, or or they don't ride it at all, or they ride a outdoor easy one that would help them. Um, uh, luckily for us here in LA, there's just people everywhere. <laughs> um, we really only need to target a five mile radius around this place and we would have way too many people. So, um, nice. so that we just have to figure out how to get them here. That's the problem. <laughs> for sure. All right. One of the, uh, sort of minor traditions here at talk of the T-town is uh, our rapid fire question set. Okay. Uh, so I got, a, I got a couple of questions here. So just first thing that comes to your mind, um, you know, uh, a lot, just give you a couple now and we'll do a couple later. So I'll start off with, uh, what's your favorite track event? The Kieran. Kieran. Nice. What is your favorite pro race or competition to watch? Uh, uh, um, I really have enjoyed the new champions league. Very nice. Uh, do you have a pro racer, current or former, that you admire? Oh, uh, yeah, Jamie Staff. Okay. And uh, what's your favorite bike, like bike brand? Felt right now was my sponsor. It's always good to say, uh, to represent the sponsors for sure. 
All right, so let's uh, move on to a couple more. I got uh, a couple more questions here for you. And actually, uh, you asked earlier if I was going to ask about coaches, so why don't we do that? Uh, tell me about uh, the coaching scene down there in uh, in LA. Yeah, um, I think I feel like we have a little bit of a different scene because we offer these coach sessions down here, then I don't know if that are open to any member. Um, so we have uh, we have some really good coaches that have changed over the years, and that's why I would like to uh, talk about them. One is BJ Olson. He runs our Velo Jam sessions, which is uh, Tuesday and Thursday night. Um, these are the organized group training that I talked about. That's quite hard, um, but it's catered towards every every level. Uh, so you know we'd have the beginner riders working hard down at the bottom, medium level riders middle of the track and then our experts or really fit athletes riding at the top. So we accommodate everyone and doesn't matter how fit or how unfit you are or how experienced or new, there's a spot for you everywhere, um, which is great. So um, we also have Pete Colson who runs a bunch of our sessions here through uh, helping out in the open training sessions because that's a lot of times he utilizes those times. So he helps other riders when they're here, but also he has a program on Wednesday night um, that called the power of hour. And it's pretty hard. Uh, people come off there and say they're smashed and Pete does a good job with that. So, uh, and he's one of the founders of Skunk Works Racing. So he's implemented that for us, which has been so far really good. Um, then, then obviously we have Aaron Hartwell as the national team coach here um, for sprint, myself, and yeah, so it's good. And you know, being this this location with these people, it just it makes us a little bit of a tourist destination as well. Um, we have a bunch of riders from Canada down here escaping the minus forty weather. Um, Hey, now it's not that bad. Well, actually, maybe in Western Canada. Well, I heard Edmonton was minus forty. So, <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, it wasn't very nice. But Kelsey's down here right now. Kelsey Mitchell training with me, um, and the national team. Just, as we talked about, just that mental break is really good. Just to change things up, and keeps things going forward. Um, yeah, we have uh, we have an NFL football player that won a Super Bowl here training with me right now. So. So like you said, there there's opportunities for everyone from Olympic gold medalists to brand new athletes coming from other sports. It's, it's, it's really fun. Very cool. Why don't we talk about uh, track in general? Um, like, do you have any thoughts on on the sort of the, the current scene in, in, in the US, uh, like how things are going, uh, you know, where you think uh, things uh, could go or should be going or any sort of general concepts about it? <laughs> I mean, of course, I always have opinions. Um, yeah. It's it's implementing them. It's it's, sure. it's tough, and I do come from Canada, where there is a little bit more support in amateur sport versus down in the United States, where amateur sport is different. <laughs> the it's different on how they you have to do it for the love the love of what you do here. Um, which is a shame because being a coach down here and working with athletes and seeing how hard they struggle uh, over the last many years is kind of draining and tough. But saying that today where we're at, 
I think we're seeing great things. Um, we are seeing programs being implemented um, through USA Cycling. We're seeing a new talent ID program based out of LA here being implemented. And I can't say anything about it yet because I don't know how it's brand new, but at least it's something. Um, I'm very, very excited to see what comes from it. And I'm super excited that Aaron Hartwell's kind of see, overseeing it. Um, I have a lot of respect for him and feel like he's very smart. Um, so if it's gonna succeed, I think this he's a good guy to have as the leader. Um, but as all velodromes know, we, we need more riders and that's gonna drive the national team. So, and that's gonna grow the sport. Starts with talent ID and it starts with us, the velodromes. Um, and if we have good junior programs, good uh, learn to ride programs, which the, all the velodromes I talked about earlier do, um, that's just a funnel system into this talent ID. And that's going to make the job of USA Cycling and Aaron Hartwell and Gary much, much easier. Um, but yeah, I mean, over the years, what we've won many medals at the Olympics from Team Pursuit. Jen Valente won the Omnium. We just, we now need to see the sprint side growing. <laughs> so I hope, I hope it does. For sure. My fingers are crossed. But For I think sure. we're in a good Absolutely. spot. So. Tell us a bit more about uh, Travis Smith. Um, you know, you mentioned a few times you're from Canada. You used to race a bit. Uh, why don't you tell us about your, your history in cycling? And, and you know, uh, you mentioned uh, earlier before we started the show that, that you don't ride much anymore. And I'm, I'm interested to find out how that uh, how that happened. And if it's it's likely this, it could be the same reason that I don't ride as much anymore, because, you know, when you start getting involved in uh, the production of the sport, then it uh, kind of provides less time to actually do it. But uh, we'll uh, we'll leave it with you. Where 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 does Travis Smith, the cyclist, come from and, and where is he today? Yeah, well. I mean, it came through many sports that got me to cycling, um, which is weird in Canada, as you know, to be a cyclist. But I started as a swimmer from a young age, um, was enjoyed it a lot, uh, kind of burned out as I got better at it because they jumped in. You, you had much more workouts happening a day. Um, and someone said to me, you should do triathlon through that time. <laughs> so I, I did some triathlon made the national team, went to the world championships in triathlon, uh, represented Canada in 1995. So a long time ago. Um, but the, I think in 96 or 97, the ITU made drafting part of triathlon. And I was not a good runner. I was a good swimmer and I was a strong cyclist, but I was an okay runner. <laughs> um, and it, would, it made it tougher. It became a, a running race. And someone said to me at that point, like, have you ever tried track? Or you already ride a, a bike. And I'm like, what is what is track? What's track cycling? Never heard of it. Didn't even know Calgary had a village. Um, and it's a 400-meter outdoor concrete track. And I said, yeah, I'll try it. Got certified. Raced the Canadian National Championships that weekend, like three days after getting certified. And... I won two bronze medals and that was kind of, that was it for me. It was, I loved, I loved it. It was a lot like swimming, kind of just following a black line around the track. Um, yeah. And then in 2000 and 
three, I, I qualified for national team, went to my first World Cups. And from there, it was kind of all over the world. Went to Commonwealth Games. Uh, I won two medals at the Commonwealth Games in 2006. I've been Pan American champion, 30-time Canadian champion on the velodrome. Uh, I, hold, I hold a track record at your velodrome still. I think it's the only one I have left. Um, I might still have one in Calgary, actually. But so it, it was it was fun. Um, but when I retired in 2012, it was right after all the Olympic qualifying and all that and qualified for the Olympics. And I was just, I retired. I was just done. I was ready to be done. I just, you're always chasing money. You're always trying to eat properly. And it's really hard when, when you're not making a ton um, and living in LA. So I was just ready. Uh, and now fast forward 10 years <laughs> i as you said it's harder to be have the time when you're trying to put on the races and be at the track for hundreds of hours during those those events um i also have two little kids six-year-old and a three-year-old that make it pretty difficult to just hop on my bike and go away for four hours um that'll do it but that said i i started running as much as I hate it, <laughs> um, but it is easier. It's the time the time to go for a 30 minute run and feel like you did something has has helped me and um, and just getting back in shape a little bit feels good again. Uh, and I, I do get on the mountain bike probably once a once a week. I go out. Okay. So but track once I done here, I'm out. <laughs> You're out. So. So I, I want to put a I want to put an asterisk on on something you said earlier. Uh, I I do want to remind uh, listeners uh, for those who are interested in starting to uh, race track that Travis was already a professional athlete before he started track. So going from uh, trying the track to three days later going to national championships is not a recommended path for most. <laughs> Uh, you know, I always encourage everyone to try the smaller races first because uh, I have seen it where um, uh, a novice has done that where like, this is my first race. What do I do? And this is national championships. So it's, uh, you know, a bit of a bit of a jump to do, yeah. it, but uh, I'm sure. But, you know, there are those people and <laughs> I, there's so many stories you hear over the time. Like obviously the history in our sport, there's a coach here, Roger Young, probably not a not another cycling person in this country knows as much as Roger. Um, mm -hmm. He's got stories on stories on stories and I love to hear them. And he talks about Aaron Hartwell, kind of this, this kid in Indiana, someone gave, he had a neighbor, had a track bike and he hopped on and rode a 107 kilo. And that was it. Guy wins two Olympic yep. medals and it does happen. Um, Maybe we can get Roger to come on the podcast and talk about those stories. You should. I, it would probably be one of your most entertaining ones. He's very he's very good at all of this, and he knows everything about this. Very cool. So. All right. So uh, I got a couple more questions for you before we uh, we end the show today. Um, earlier on, uh, you had mentioned that uh, you like watching the the TCL, uh, the new Track Champions League that started last year. Yeah. Uh, we just had uh, uh, Maggie Coles Lister on the show. Uh, we also had uh, Dylan Bibick on the show earlier this year. Uh, we're hoping uh, to get uh, Grant Coots on the show, see if we can uh, nail him down to come and talk about uh, his experiences at the TCL. Uh, tell us what you think about uh, that race. What makes it uh, exciting for you? Well, obviously having the velodromes being able to have all the light shows and the music and 
the entertainment adds value to just the racing. I mean, anyone listening to us talk today is already loves the sport. They, they know how exciting the sport can be. But we need to, as we've talked about, and every velodrome knows, we need more people. And I think what UCI is trying to do here by making it bright, loud, fun, quick racing, uh, it's over a few weekends so people can pick who they like and follow them. Um, I just feel like all of it just creates a little bit more of a fan following, which with fan following comes new riders. Um, so I would love to put on one of those races one day, just cause I like how exciting it is, but I don't think we could afford it. <laughs> I think it's quite expensive. It looks, it expensive. sure is this. There's a lot of tech there, yeah. but uh, you know, who knows, maybe someone from the UCI is listening to this podcast and uh, we'll give you a call after this saying, Oh really? You want to host? Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk. Right. Yeah. So, and I talked to them. Yeah, I mean, so I did mention that to them yeah. one day that I would be willing if it made sense. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the scene is different in Europe for sure. Um, you know, uh, they, they certainly do have the fan base. I mean, uh, at, uh, I was at, uh, worlds in Paris uh, back in October and, and I was just blown away by the, 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 immense amount of volume that was created by the the crowd in there like it was almost deafening like a, you know you're sitting there especially when there was a french rider who was doing well around the podium or something like that it was you know, tore the roof off kind oh of yeah thing. so to, to have that here in north america would be great i know actually you know where the best place is I've, and i've raced in paris and cali colombia man it is nothing like racing in cali colombia it is loud they cheer for everybody but if a Colombian's doing well, man, like you said, it's a good thing there's no walls because they, they'd be blown out. It is fun. It's a lot of fun. It's different for yeah. sure. What uh, what do you think about, uh, so coming up this August, we've got Super Worlds in Glasgow yep. where, uh, you know, for the listeners who don't know, uh, the UCI decided uh, that they want to every four years uh, take every single world championships in the sport of cycling, every discipline, and have them located in one area one town one you know region so that uh, it's this one big event much like you know the world cup of soccer that happens every four years something to look forward to it's in glasgow this year and they've already settled on uh on uh, i believe it's in uh france i can't remember which uh which uh, city it's in uh so they want to keep doing this and and try to attract a you know make a spectacle of it so like what are your thoughts on the on the super worlds idea i'm glad i'm not running it <laughs> <laughs> sounds yeah. sounds miserable there but uh as a fan i think it's kind of it's cool um you know it's kind of like a mini olympics or a pan am championships or any of that stuff like you said it's all happening over a certain amount of days and you can make a vacation out of it and you could catch everything from bmx to mountain bike i mean it's it's cool i think it's cool uh it'll be neat to see how it works out and but i i, I do feel like people will back it and it'll be fun, a fun thing to see. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to organize it. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, just doing one major event is, uh, uh, certainly enough. And, uh, you know, I've got, uh, another series of, uh, rapid fire questions to, uh, to end off this interview before we do that, I guess my final question, you know, we're talking about major events is, uh, what are the plans for the future for you and the Velo Sports Center? Anything big coming up that uh, our listeners would be keen to know? Well, about? obviously we have the national championships coming up next year. Um, the last time it was held here in, was 2019 so i think just trying to get that going and having good people racing uh a good show with within what we can do but i just had welcoming 
the junior and the elite. And, I, and I'm a big fan that the juniors are part of this elite nationals. Um, you need to, as a young kid, I remember looking up to these elite riders, the Jen Valentes, the Chloe's, um, and trying to be like that. That was my goal as my whole life. So I want them to be here. I want lots of juniors to be here uh, and have that. But yeah, there's some stuff in the works. Um, can't really speak about them, but fingers crossed they come out. Oh, come on. <laughs> you could share on this. We'll, we'll keep your secret, all 300 yeah, of us. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed they come to come to fruition. So, um, I guess what I, where I was trying to go with this as well is, uh, you know, and you've touched on it briefly, uh, at the start of the podcast is, uh, the 28 Olympics. Yep. Uh, so that's coming. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a freight train on its way. Yep. So what's the, uh, I mean, I guess the publicly, uh, available plan for uh, what's happening with track. Is it going to be at the Velo Sports Center? Is it uh, going to be somewhere else? What's, I think you probably know as much that? as me, honestly. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, what I do know is it's going to be this location. Um, I don't know the amount of construction that's going to need. I, I do know the minimums. You know, we have to add some restrooms and change rooms and anti-doping rooms downstairs somehow. But we're going to try to have the Velodrome stay the Velo Sports Center as much as possible um, within the IOC and UCI whatever they allow us to do. So, so, but I don't know that much, honestly, all I know is it's coming here. And like you said, real quick, uh, before we know it, yeah. it's going to be here. So. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. Let's, let's do some more rapid fire questions then, uh, to uh, cap off this podcast. What's your favorite movie? Oh, uh, elf. What is the best music to train to rap? Any specific types or? I, or, or I like the '90s, 2000s. Okay. I don't like the new stuff as much. What is your favorite post-race or ride snack? A Coke. I like a Coke. No food, just uh, Coke. Just, I'm a sprinter. I could go off without. No, no, it's mostly. Yeah. I like. I. Uh, if I if I was in Canada, I would go for a Coke and a Donair. It's my two favorite things. Nice. Uh, and do you have a favorite inspirational quote? Uh, yes. What would it be though? And I, you, you, I haven't had to think of a quote for 10 years and now I, I used to tell myself one all the time and I can't remember, but he is, yep. but you know, there was one that was said, uh, sometimes you have to remind people why you're the lion, why you're the best. I, I like that one. Very cool. All right, Travis, thank you so much for coming out today and uh, speaking with us. Uh, we were certainly glad to have you on the Talk of the T-Town. Thanks, Andrew, and good luck for you guys this coming year. Thank you very much, and yourself as well. Thanks. All right, so that wraps up another episode of Talk of the T-Town. Uh, be sure to check us out in the coming weeks for more episodes, and of course, uh, sign up uh, for us on your favorite uh, streaming uh, app or service where you can find podcasts like Spotify and all the like. And we're looking forward to you listening to us next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Talk the T-Town podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate us and leave a comment on wherever you consume your podcasts. To find out more on this week's guest, head on over to our website, thevelodrome.com, to check out the show notes and subscribe so you never miss an episode.